Welcome to the 32nd episode of Heavier Than I Look, a podcast dedicated to healing, recovery, and storytelling. My name is Kira Russo, and I am your host. If you feel that listening may aggravate your suffering or complicate your recovery, please take this notice as a trigger warning. Discuss with your support system as necessary, and as always, take what you need and leave what you don't. This episode is dedicated to all of those in the trans community who have suffered from an eating disorder. If your suffering has not been met with the sympathy, care, and compassion it deserves, know that the wrong done to you in no way invalidates your pain and bars you completely from recovery. Know that you have a space within this podcast and within the HTIL eating disorder recovery community. Eating disorders in the trans community are horrifically rampant and especially dangerous. A 2015 study found that transgender college students were four times more likely than their cisgender female counterparts to self-report an eating disorder diagnosis and two times as likely to report eating disorder symptomology, such as purging. Just two years earlier, a survey of high schoolers illustrated that transgender students were nearly three times as likely as their cisgender peers to restrict eating, nine times as likely to use diet pills, and seven times as likely to use laxatives to control their weight. Eating disorders often peak at the onset of adolescence. At a time of blossoming gender identity and expression, transgender individuals may suffer from body image dissatisfaction or gender dysphoria. Further, people with eating disorders and transgender individuals have higher rates of suicide, meaning this intersection deserves additional attention. The transgender umbrella includes people who identify as a different binary gender or as non-binary, agender, genderqueer, two-spirit, etc. There is tremendous diversity within the transgender community, which must be acknowledged within a treatment context as it might be helpful in exploring the desired body type or image an eating disorder may develop because of. As a reminder for our listeners, a transgender person is one whose sex assigned at birth differs from their true gender identity. It is difficult to assess the need for care among this intersection of trans and eating disorders, considering that most of the research done in eating disorder prevalence is of white, young, thin, affluent, cisgender females. Society's understanding of eating disorders is generally inflexible. You must exist in this identity to be deserving of an eating disorder diagnosis. You also must exist in this identity to recover from an eating disorder. This myth reduces eating disorders to one story, which is unrepresentative of all of those that struggle. Quote, eating disorder research among gender minority populations is scarce and often does not distinguish between transmasculine, transfeminine, and non-binary individuals, end quote. Marginalized populations, including trans individuals, face more violence, discrimination, and invalidation when seeking a medical diagnosis and treatment. The treatment available at this intersection is few and far between, considering many eating disorder therapists lack training in working for transgender people and many therapists who treat transgender people may not be specialists in eating disorders. Other barriers to care include financial hurdles, especially considering that individuals have to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria disorder for medical providers and insurance companies to approve their procedures, even though not all trans people identify as gender dysphoric. Other barriers include stigmatized care, in which gender-affirming treatments are unavailable or inaccessible, Gender-affirming medical care recognizes the needs and desires of a transgender individual and often includes interventions such as pubertal suppression and gender-affirming hormone therapy that recognizes a trans person's gender identity over their assigned-at-birth gender. Quote, 
Putting gender non-conforming people into a category by which they do not define themselves is further denying them their right to claim their own identities and be treated as whole people, both body and mind. End quote. As of right now, populations outside of cisgender females are severely underrepresented in the field of eating disorder research, diagnosis, and treatment, a dangerous tide that urgently needs to change. There are many factors that may influence why a transgender individual may develop an eating disorder, including coping with stress or trauma from discrimination or violence they have experienced because of their transgender identity, trying to create gendered features, whether masculine or feminine, and attempting to conform to a masculine or feminine societal ideal. Some transgender individuals may develop what is known as gender dysphoria, a psychological distress that there is a disparity between one's internal gender identity and one's body. This distress may be aggravated by pressurized ideals of what's considered a feminine or what's considered a masculine body. An example of gender dysphoria is when a transmasculine person is dysphoric over their chest because a larger chest is associated with womanhood, their assigned gender at birth, but not the gender that they identify with. A transfeminine person may be dysphoric over their flat chest, also because a larger chest is associated with womanhood, which is their gender identity. While a transfeminine person might want top surgery to increase their breast size, a transmasculine person might instead want a double mastectomy. Further, transmasculine people may attempt to reduce their hip width or eliminate menstruation by restricting caloric intake. Transfeminine individuals may engage in disordered eating to lose muscle mass and become thinner. Non-binary people may restrict their eating to appear thin either as a coping mechanism or either as a coping mechanism of control or to fit into a visual stereotype of androgynous people, which is typically thin. Our understanding of gender is important in this discussion. It is defined by the World Health Organization as, quote, the socially constructed roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes that a given society considers appropriate for men and women, end quote. While your sex determines what anatomical parts you have in your reproductive system, and sex chromosomes produce secondary sex characteristics such as body hair and breast growth, gender will tell you how you should look, act, and think. These gender roles about how men and women are supposed to look may cause transgender people to suppress features of their assigned gender and accentuate features of their true gender identity. Quote, Oftentimes, society views an individual's gender validity on how well they present or how close to the norm they are. This has the potential to leave those who are transgender struggling to achieve unnatural ideals, to fit into the mold for what society deems male or female, end quote. This need to alter their bodies may arise from a desire to be accepted within their gender identity. If a transgender person more accurately presents as their gender identity in ways that are understandable to the world around them, they may thus become more accepted within that gender identity. Quote, Body dissatisfaction is one of the strongest predictors of developing an eating disorder, and gender embodiment or presentation is critical for many transgender people, end quote. Of note, transmasculine adults without eating disorders were found to have comparable levels of body dissatisfaction to cisgender males 
with eating disorders. Thus, the baseline levels of body dissatisfaction without the presence of an eating disorder among some transgender individuals is equal to the body dissatisfaction among those who identify as cisgender and have eating disorders. Body dissatisfaction alone cannot be used to diagnose eating disorders since eating disorder diagnosis is more complicated. But regardless, the high prevalence of disordered eating behaviors suggests that eating disorders and gender dysphoria are closely connected. It is important to note that not all transgender people suffer from gender dysphoria or have a negative body image. But the American Psychiatric Association notes that those who do experience this incongruence may result in worsened mental health and significant emotional distress. Typically, a gender dysphoria diagnosis is used to guarantee insurance benefits for clients despite no distinct set of symptomology. There is debate in the medical and psychological communities as to whether gender dysphoria should be a diagnosis, given the fact that it is not a shared experience of all the trans community and may disrupt corrective eating disorder treatment. Quote, The body discomfort of transgender people with eating disorders is complex and may not be successfully addressed by the same body image interventions designed with cisgender patients in mind. These interventions that focus on accepting aspects of their body may be experienced as invalidating, end quote. Body or gender dysmorphia and eating disorders should be treated simultaneously in a gender-affirming context. Appropriate care for one problem should not be delayed for the other. Gender-affirming medical interventions are shown to increase body image satisfaction and decrease eating disorder behaviors. Janine Averbach, a senior primary therapist at Princeton Center for Eating Disorder, says that, quote, weight restoration cannot be compromised when the goal is full recovery from an eating disorder, end quote. Thus, trans individuals may have to prioritize their eating disorder recovery over their desire to outwardly match their inner experience of gender. Weight suppression or modification must be guarded against within recovery, a process that may unfortunately, but perhaps necessarily, delay a congruence with an individual's presented gender identity. All of us who have suffered from or witnessed an eating disorder in any capacity know how tied up to body image it is. Considering that transgender people live in a body that doesn't feel true or like home, these body image disturbances may become even more heightened. Control of food becoming the mechanism by which to modify their appearances. A tragic contradiction. If you would like to learn more about what sources I used in the discussion of the trans experience with eating disorders, my citations will be placed in the show notes. All new episodes of HTL will be uploaded to Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts by 11.59 p.m. each Sunday night if you miss the live broadcast. Feel free to return to old episodes by visiting these sites. If you would like to listen to my own eating disorder story, you can listen on any of these platforms. Please consider sharing the podcast with family, friends, or those who you feel could specifically benefit. If you or someone you love might be struggling with an eating disorder, know that you have my full support in recovery and consider seeking treatment. If you feel treatment may be inaccessible to you, please consider seeking support through Project HEAL, which is the largest nonprofit in the United States delivering prevention, treatment, financing, and recovery support for those struggling with eating disorders. Disordered eating has ruled my life for nearly six years, and I didn't think anything would ever, would ever be able to come in between that. Treatment did, and treatment does. If you're in a crisis situation, please contact NEDA's helpline by texting NEDA to 741741. HTL has its very own Instagram and Twitter accounts, so if you would like to suggest your own episode topic or interact with the podcast further, 
please feel free to follow on Instagram at Heavier Than I Look and Twitter at HTL Podcast. If you're interested in sharing your own story as a feature on the show, please direct message me on Instagram or Twitter. Don't be afraid to reach out. I would love to hear from you. My podcast, Heavier Than I Look, aims to empower survivors, educate listeners, and foster conversations surrounding eating disorders and body dysmorphia. Eating disorders demand silence, yet this podcast is an attempt to de-isolate and destigmatize a survivor's experience by giving a voice to each story. We must abandon a quantitative, numerical definition of identity and reclaim our self-definition to exist beyond the numbers that rule our lives. In this way, HTL is a space of healing, recovery, and storytelling. Let us no longer wonder how little space we can comprise, but instead wonder how to make that space one filled with love and sympathy. Goodbye for now.